Hello everyone, Alan Mitchell here from Vitality Explorer News with another edition of the podcast. We typically like to start off the podcast with a quote, and this one is from one of my favorites, Henry David Thoreau. And here's the quote, quote, the smallest seed of faith is better than the largest fruit of happiness. Okay, the smallest seed of faith is better than the largest fruit of happiness. So chew on that for a few minutes. So the Vitality Explorer News podcast, its main function, its mission, its purpose is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. Now, we also try to take the friction out of staying vital and help people make deposits into their vitality bank account. The three things we're going to cover this week are take a leap of faith to enhance your vitality. That's one. Number two is will chat GTP replace your doctor? And number three is trending science articles. Uh, and these include ones about cold exposure and genetic data to predict a disease. Now you can find the write-ups of all of three of these topics on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. The links will be in the show notes below. And let's run to the first one. Let's actually leap to the first one. The first one, of course, is to take a leap to enhance excuse me, to take a leap of faith to enhance your vitality. Now, this comes from a little story about hiking in Patagonia many, many years ago, not many years, years ago, maybe five or six years ago, I had a great opportunity to go down to Argentina with my family, go all the way down to Patagonia and hike in and around the Pietro Moreno Glacier. So I encourage you to look on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site for a picture of this, but it's absolutely stunning, okay? And when you when you get there, it's just staggering to, to see how big it is and how majestic it is. And you know, when you look at it from afar, it's incredible. And when you look at it really up close, it's even more amazing. So we got a chance to hike in and around the glacier. And Argentina doesn't seem to have a lot of uh, lawyers because you get there, my Spanish isn't the greatest. They throw you some kind of sort of worn out crampons to throw onto your hike, uh, hiking boots, which crampons are little, you know, spiky things that you can strap onto the bottom of your shoes or your, or your boots to help you uh, get some grip on the ice. So then we, we hiked up and around the glacier and it was really narrow. Okay, and you go up one or 200 feet onto the glacier. Uh, on either side of you, it's 100 to 200 foot drop off. You're kind of in a single file line and there's these amazing, beautiful ice blue streams of water. Um, it's just, it's actually surreal, okay? And so we get up and around and then we, we start hiking back down and we get down to this plateau and we stop. Okay, and there was one guide at the front and one guide at the back. And the guy at the back, I just hadn't seen him, but he had basically a card table strapped on his back when he was hiking around the glacier. And he sets up this card table and it's a pretty narrow plateau. And there's maybe 10 or 15 of us, you know, standing around this plateau with pretty far drop-offs on either side. And he cracks open a bottle of whiskey and a bunch of glasses. And then I know this is not environmentally sound, but he chipped off some ice off of the glacier. And then we toasted each other with whiskey glasses or shots of whiskey. And then we did that because it was the new year. So the, the hike when we first started was terrifying. You know, because it was so, you know, crazy to go up on this glacier, no training, no instructions. And we took each one of our steps with a lot of trepidation. There's no railings, there's no ropes. Um, fortunately, we weren't tied together. So I guess if one person goes down, we weren't going to all go down. But the opposite of that is we didn't have somebody to save us if we went down. And that the crunching really of our boots, 
just echoed in these crazy cool crevasses. And again, I remember that day because it was New Year's Day. And then when I had that little shot of whiskey, I still had about 100, 100 feet to go down. Um, so it took a lot of faith to believe that we're going to continue uh, to do well in that particular environment. It was an absolutely gorgeous, wonderful place. But when I started to think about it after we got back down, it made me also contemplate faith. And you know, the faith in my crampons, first of all, to capture and you know get into the ice that we were doing okay, faith in my family, and faith in God. And then I wanted to remember what the dictionary definition of faith is. And I'm just going to read a couple things to you. Uh, here's one that comes straight out of the dictionary. Faith is a complete trust and confidence in someone or something. So we would say, I have faith in you. A secondary definition is a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. And a, a biblical definition comes from Hebrews, and that is faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So again, on Vitality Explorer News, we, we try to investigate physical, mental, social, and spiritual ways to enhance our vitality. So on this particular podcast, we're going we're gonna to take a little bit deeper dive into the spirituality of vitality, because I think faith is a skill that can be developed. It's a skill akin to hope, because the more we believe in ourselves, our friends, our family, and our colleagues, the more our vitality rises. Um, but we need to take little steps, kind of like going up on that glacier. The first few steps I took with the crampons, I was petrified, but then I realized those crampons really do, you know, take a really good bite into the ice. I felt like I was almost velcroed to the to the to the tiny little narrow trail. Okay, and I think our spiritual well being uh, can be faith in God, but I think it's it's actually something like, you know a broader definition of spirituality is really belief in something bigger than yourself. Um, and I think our vitality soars when we commit our precious time, talent, and treasure to something bigger than ourselves. So if we're only, um, only focused on ourselves, we, I don't think we can be our, our most vital selves. And, and having faith in yourself or in, in a bigger cause, is like betting on yourself. And, and I think that that's when we are at our highest level or, or what I call rising into the vitality zone. So as we always do in Vitality Explorer News, we try to back this up with some data. And, and this is a very interesting paper I want to I review here um, on um, religion, spirituality, uh, spirituality, and mental health. And it was a systematic review and meta-analysis of observational studies that included over 80,000 participants. So this is a pretty big study, right? 80,000. And I'm just going to read a few quotes from the paper. Uh, and you can look again on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site for the references and some of the charts associated with these things. But here, here's a few quotes. Quote, people with high religion and spiritual practice levels had a lower prevalence of anxiety and depressive symptoms, as well as reported greater life satisfaction and psychological well-being, better social relations, and more definitive meaning in life. Okay, that's pretty impressive, right? Here's a second quote. Quote, findings of the present study suggest that religion and spiritual practices are significantly associated with mental health in older adults. And the final quote here is, the data provided an increasing number of longitudinal studies that supported these findings. So this is, again, a meta-analysis, which is an analysis of a whole bunch of papers. Uh, and when we talk about trying to in enhance or 
our, our spirituality. We don't think about it in the context of our mental health. And there's a, obviously a mental health crisis going on worldwide right now, but only rarely is spirituality discussed in the context of how to uh, improve our mental health. It's similar, I think, to exercise. We don't talk enough about how exercise can enhance our mental health. And that's one of the core concepts we have here on Vitality Explorers is that your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being are all connected. And this large study of 80,000 people does confirm that. Um, here's a few more quotes from this. I think they, the, the paper did an excellent job of defining mental health. And here, here it is, quote, mental health is an, an integral and vital component of health that encompasses emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Here's the second quote. It refers, quote, it refers to the way by which people behave, identify, identify themselves, and cope with stressful events, thereby affecting how they experience and understand life events. And here's the contrast, quote, in contrast, mental health decline is associated with by a high frequency of persistent negative emotions, thoughts, and beliefs that influence the quality of life. So obviously our mental health matters to our, our vitality, but do we know that religion and spirituality um, can enhance our mental health? And do we really have some ideas about how to do that? Uh, so once again, this paper, which is pretty amazing, had some specific uh, ideas about how to define religion and spirituality. Here we go. Quote, religion and spiritual beliefs are far from being just cultural traditions. Indeed, it involves numerous organizational, non-organizational, introspective and community practices that might potentially influence human uh, behavior. So, um, this was just a very influential paper that I um, read and, and analyzed on the sub Vitality Explorer Substack site. It's part of you know, this concept I have of spirituality as belief in something bigger than yourself. And again, I don't think we can be our most vital selves unless we are you know, using our talent, our time, our treasure, our, our enthusiasm and energy in the, in the service of something bigger than self and serving those, especially those people who are in need. Um, so I, I hope you think about that. Um, I, again, I think people can debate about whether faith and spirituality matter, but it's it's pretty interesting when you look at this study again, and here's the title of it. Uh, it was published in 2022, Religio Religiosity, Spirituality, and Mental Health, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of Observational Studies. Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, the second one we're gonna talk about today on Vitality Explorer News in this podcast is something called ChatGPT. Now you might've heard of ChatGPT, but my question for, for us today is, will ChatGTP replace your doctor? So first of all, let's talk about what this thing is. So ChatGTP, Chat, let's say I can say this again. ChatGTP is, I think, taking over the world. And it's an artificial intelligence tool sort of that helps people have conversations. So you can type in questions and it will reply in, in coherent, interesting text. Um, and as of January 2023, there were 100 million users on ChatGTP. Um, and the statistics by which this came about are staggering because it took only five days for ChatGTP once it was released to get a million users. So this is lightning fast. Let me just give you some comparison. Again, you can look on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site uh, if you're interested in seeing the reference uh, paper that where this data came from. But ChatGTP took five days. Um, Instagram took two months, 
Spotify took five months, Facebook took 10 months, and Netflix took 3.5 years to get to a million users. So to cross over that number so quickly is staggering. And the number of website visitors crossed over a billion a, a month. 1 billion per month in February, which is almost four times as many as was in December of 2022. So ChatGTP, I do think, is taking over the world. It's insane. Um, and it's based on what's called a large language model. And no matter what we're doing in this world, I think we need to be a little more conversant in what AI is, is doing. Uh, as a physician and orthopedic surgeon, I, I think there's a lot of different ways it's going to affect medicine. I think it's affecting a lot of different um, uh, industries already. But a, let's just take a little bit of a dive into what a large language model is. And this comes from the paper uh, and the references on the Substack site. So large language models are foundational machine learning models that use deep learning algorithms to process and understand natural language. Now, these models are trained on massive amounts of de text data to learn patterns and entity relationships in the in the language. Okay. Now I've been fascinated with computers for oh, a long time, way back since I was a, a undergrad at the University of Michigan. They had uh, early Mac computers, and I, I just really loved it. Um, and I've also been trying to follow along um, as my daughter went through through Stanford's computer science and AI program. I was I'm certainly not capable of doing that kind of rigorous work. But I, I, I watched her when she was home during COVID in college, doing some of her homework and just becoming more and more fascinated with how AI, how computer science can assist us as we're trying to enhance global vitality one person at a time. Remember, that's the goal for Vitality Explorers. Um, so when, when we look at it, and I, I think I'm going to make a prediction here, is that, it, well, it's a, a, a prediction that's already coming true, so it's not maybe really a prediction, but AI is going to touch almost every aspect of our, every aspect or facet of our lives. Um, and that led me to this question of, will Will I, as a physician, get replaced by ChatGTP? And I think a, a, a paper that is out there will help us answer that question. And this paper is called Chat GPT Utility in Healthcare, Education, Research, and Practice. Um, so here's, here's what the paper uh, was discussing. And they were looking at it in education, research, and in the practice of medicine. And uh, they looked at articles on PubMed and Google Scholar. And they found that there was some value in scientific research. You know, when you when you do a lot of research, you're trying to figure out where's all the where are all the papers, what do they mean, and what's happening with them. And so these large language models or ChatGTP can help you summarize them. And I think that may be accelerating the publication process, or at least taking some of the pain out of the publication process. It's not perfect, but I think it's a reasonable way to start. Um, you can also, you know do something that's very painful for physicians, and that is to take the existing data within a, uh, say a hospital, you go into the hospital, we as physicians have to dictate discharge summaries. And all we're doing is reading the chart and then trying to summarize it. But I think there are existing uh, protocols and programs now that can create a discharge summary for a patient uh, without having the physician or somebody else having to basically redictate what's already in the chart. Uh, so I think there's there's things that are going to be faster. And again, this paper went over a, a few things, uh, the, the academic and scientific writing, uh, some in healthcare practice, uh, and, and they did say that there's some value in at least the free version of it. There is, however, some significant downsides and concerns about chat GTP in healthcare. And here they are, bias, 
plagiarism and security. Okay, those are three major issues. This they can have, uh, and they can also, of course, be inaccurate. Uh, so there needs to be also some transparency and some legal issues associated. So if if a physician, for instance, uses, hey, what's wrong with this person's shoulder and is asking chat GTP that question, uh, you better declare that to your patient, right? You know, so I, I do not use chat GTP in my, in my practice. But uh, as a physician, uh, I don't think it's anywhere near ready for that. It's a little too complex. Um, you know, so I think the conclusions of the paper are kind of interesting. It's going to take a lot longer for ChatGTP to replace physicians. Uh, future versions probably will be better and, and, and some sort of hybrid version of using AI information tools like ChatGTP um, will be part of our future. And here's, here's sort, sort of my, my thought on it, okay? Um, and I think we have to start with the Hipp Hippocratic Oath. And our promises to our patients is to first do no harm. So we can learn that AI is capable of improving, say, maybe the speed of medical research or perhaps medical education. Uh, I think we can also work and we should work with our computer science colleagues to develop better ways to enhance both the practice of medicine and help our computer science colleagues um, reduce or eliminate as much bias or inaccuracies in what they're producing. And I, I did it. I, I tried something. Uh, using ChatGTP that I would like to read to you. So I asked ChatGTP4, which is the latest version, um, you know, whether or not it can replace a doctor. Okay, and here's here's the quote from ChatGTP4. While ChatGTP and other AI-driven technologies are likely to play a growing role in healthcare in the future, it is unlikely that they will completely replace human doctors. AI-based systems can provide valuable support for medical professionals by rapidly processing large amounts of data, enabling earlier diagnosis, more efficient treatments, and personalized healthcare. However, the complexity and nuance of human health, combined with the importance of empathy and interpersonal skills in a clinical setting, mean that human doctors will still be essential. It is more likely that AI will augment and complement the work of doctors rather than replace them entirely. The future of healthcare will likely involve a collaborative approach with AI technologies working alongside medical professionals to enhance patient care and outcomes. Wow. Okay, so I did not write that. ChatGTP wrote that. And I think they actually did as good, or I don't want to admit this, perhaps a better job than I did of trying to explain it. So I think ChatGTP is spot on. Healthcare professionals can and should, should work with smart systems to improve patient care. I think we need to remember, however, that medicine um, still needs to focus on the human side. Okay. Um, we need to actively listen to our patients. We need to sympathetically look into their eyes and express genuine compassion for our patients. Now, I don't think AI can do that just yet. Um, maybe it would allow us to have more time, well, that's my dream, to, 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 for us as physicians to, 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 uh, to be with our patients, to, to provide that human part of it so that we wouldn't maybe be burdened with some of the administrative tasks of recording the, the visit or other things. So um, at this juncture, I don't think AI is going to be able to take my job, but I will be ready to work with it potentially as a partner. Okay, now let's finish up this week's Vitality Explorer news by talking about trending science articles. And the two, two trending science articles are cold exposure and longevity and then genetic uh, data to predict disease. 
disease. You, get, you can again look at the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. The links are in the show notes below for the references to all of these. And again, my name is Dr. Alan Mishra. I'm an orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. I'm the founder of Vitality Explorers and author of a book, Dare to be Vital. You can find it on uh, Amazon and will excitingly be teaching for the eighth time, my Vitality at course through Stanford Continuing Studies next week. Uh, and the title of that course is Energize Your Life, a Scientific Approach. Okay, let's finish it up here this week with trending science articles for the week of April 5th, 2023. And um, what we try to do with trending science articles is look on PubMed and see not what's trending on Twitter, not what's tr trending on Instagram, but what's trending on PubMed, which is this this national, excuse me, international compendium of um, you know scientific publications, and this, the trending articles are the ones that the scientists and physicians find most interesting. So here's the summary of the first article and the the title. Let's go to the title, and this was published in Nature Aging. And it's about cold temperature and how it can extend longevity. So this, this particular science article um, explored the relationship between lower body temperature and increased longevity. And the paper focused on the implications of preventing neurodegenerative disorders such as Huntington's and ALS, or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. You can see why we call it ALS, okay? So researchers found that um, exposing a specific species of worms, but also human cells, so it's not just you know, small little uh, worms in a, ra in, a, in a lab, it's also human cells, to cold temperatures um, was very important to uh, reduce the activity, or excuse me, increase the activity of a protein degradating mechanism. Let me explain this a little bit. So this helped reduce harmful protein aggregation or, or accumulation that's associated with a lot of age-related diseases. And the, the new discovery uh, found a specific activator that is required for cold-induced longevity and improved protein degradation. So you can think about it as over time, sometimes we get too much sort of stuck in our in, in our pipes or in our you know in our brains or other places. And if you can activate a protein that helps reduce these sort of sludgy proteins, maybe that's not quite exactly right, but you get the idea um, that it could have benefits for a variety of different diseases and specifically neurodegenerative diseases. So the research suggested that exposure to cold temperatures can enhance the body's ability to degrade these harmful proteins and may pro uh, prolong longevity. So there's a lot of interest in cold exposure, cold tanks, um, people like Lady Gaga, Wim Hof, Floyd Merriweather, lots and lots of celebrities are doing this. Uh, we've taken a dive into cold exposure and Vitality Explorer news in the past. Uh, I think this adds to the emerging uh, literature that suggests that your body temperature, if it's just a little bit lower for a period of time, may, may help you uh, reduce your, these uh, abnormal proteins that can accumulate over time with aging and may lead to a longer life with less disease. So along the same lines with this is the second article, which we're going to briefly discuss, and that's an atlas of genomic scores to predict traits, okay? So this paper explored um, using genetics to predict um, whether or not you were going to get a complex disease in large populations without having to do it a ton of the work. And, and so multiomics is something where you look at proteins, gene expression, 
uh, and something called metabolites. So it's very complex things. But the researchers, again, were using AI. And again, this is another example of it, machine learning and AI, to look at over 17,000 different traits in a, in a cohort of 50,000 participants. And, and the name, you know, the, the study was called the interval study. So you can imagine as a human, can you really you know, in your brain, look at 17,000 different traits in 50,000 people, not a chance. So I think this is a, another example of how we should um, lean on our computer science colleagues to help us with this. And what they found is the genetic scores were validated across a variety of populations. This include European, Asian, and African-American ancestries. And they, the, the researchers were able to demonstrate the usefulness of specific genetic scores um, along various uh, biological uh, pathways that may be able to identify disease associations. So they actually made this more available. They put it up on a website. Um, and I think what this, this analysis in this paper helped me understand, and again, this is one of the trending articles on PubMed. So a lot of scientists, researchers, and clinicians found it interesting, is that we are gonna have more and more biological insights to the genetic uh, mechanisms by which um, we develop disease or age. Uh, and, and again, it's a, it's a long, long list of papers that have been doing this. This was a large analysis of lots of papers. Um, and I think long, long term, again, if we can lean into this AI and lean into this ability for people to look at large sets of data, especially genetic or genomic type of data, we're going to be able to uh, better uh, enhance our vitality, live longer and live better lives. So I hope you've enjoyed the Vitality Explorer News podcast this week. Again, we uh, looked at three different things. We talked about taking a leap of faith to enhance your vitality in the context of spirituality. We talked about how GTP, uh, I don't think, is going to replace doctors just yet. And then we talked about the trending science articles of cold exposure, longevity, and genetic or genomic data to predict disease. So let's remember the quote for this week is from Henry David Thoreau, and that is, the smallest seed of faith is better than the largest fruit of happiness. The smallest seed of faith is better than the largest fruit of happiness. Thank you for listening to Vitality Explorer News. My name is Dr. Alan Mishra. And until next time, get out there and dare to be vital. Thank you for listening.